Jason Klom, and this is the Comedy on Vinyl podcast. The year is 1962. The album is My Son, the Folk Singer. The artist is for some, somehow the first time Alan Sherman on the podcast. Somehow for the first time. My guest is Phil Barron. Thank you so much for being here. My pleasure. Um, so, let's get it out of the way, if it's okay with you. Sure. All right. You're the voice of Teddy Ruxpin. Uh-huh. Which is the reason uh, in the first place, I mean, you know, I, I had, I, I actually have to look up, I asked online, I asked a few people online, you know, I'm going to be interviewing the voice of Teddy Ruxpin. And uh, they and I said, besides, why does your voice haunt my dreams still? Do you have any other questions for him? And so, and if that's, and I mean that in the nicest way possible. You understand this? You understand this? Like, <laughs> I'm offended. I'm okay, sorry. Good. good. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's really what I brought you here to do is just offend you and then leave. Um, but I mean, here's and here's the thing I was talking to you before we started recording. Um, I went to. I have a very nice friend named Dan Pasternak who walked me around Amoeba Records a few months ago. And I am flipping through albums. Look at the cover of one. Very crazy cover. I look in the back and I have it produced by Phil Barron. I wonder if that's the same Phil Barron. Had I flipped it around and seen your face quite obviously on the cover and noticed that the other person was Will Ryan, who is also the voice of Grubby and your friend. Oh my, just this is this is where my brain, I because it didn't come up in my research. Originally. So you mean you found a Willio and Filio album? I did. I did. At Amoeba? At Amoeba. And I did not buy it because I didn't realize at the time what I had in my hands. <laughs> Cause it, I'll, I'll give you a copy. I, that would be amazing. Okay. Because I would have brought here to ha- to make you sign it, or at least request that you sign it <laughs> kindly. Um, why do you think you're the first person to request Alan Sherman after five years? Hmm. What do you think that is? Well, he was a big influence on me. Yeah. Uh, because I I write songs. Yeah. I'm a lyricist. Mm-hmm. I write parodies. Uh, I'm pretty good at it. Mm-hmm. And I owe everything to to two sources: Alan Sherman, number one; second, Mad Magazine. Because they used to do really funny song parodies, but mainly to Alan Sherman, and and that album came along when I was a kid, mm-hmm. and uh, and my my mother loved the album, so yeah. it was something that I could play and not annoy her with. Okay, yeah, uh, and but I just instantly um, uh, got it. Yeah, you know, I mean, first of all, it was very Jewish. Yeah, uh, but it was also it also crossed over, and the lyrics were just brilliant. Yeah, 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 and. What he taught me was that when you write song parodies, you take what you already have, you know, Hava Nagila, right? Sure. Harvey and Sheila. <laughs> and you try to, you don't just make up any words that happen to sort of fit, right, right. But, but you do it with integrity. Mm-hmm. And he did it with an extreme integrity uh, in finding, you know, shine on uh, Harvey Bloom, for instance, <laughs> right? <laughs> so it, it leads your memory of the actual lyrics down a path, mm-hmm. and then it just, goes off yeah yeah and that's what i love and that was the thing that struck me is because i think growing up what the only thing i really knew of alan sherman besides a sampling here and there was uh hello mother hello fada everybody knows that one everybody mm-hmm. if you know alan sherman you might just in your in your mind that's all he did yeah i've discovered that actually because when i tell people I'm, I'm doing something with alan sherman's songs they, they don't know who that is mm-hmm. until i say hello mother hello although course that (laughs) right right and that's not a particularly jewish song there's not it's not you know this album though is like every parody is just this insertion of this culture that is mostly foreign to me much as i might be interested in it because Uh all of my favorite comedians of all time have been jewish so like i might have just this little bits and pieces of knowledge where i can put the the bits together to get the joke yeah but but it's special for you Right, so I, I yeah I got the stuff, and of course my mother did, 
uh, as well. But uh, Hello Mutter, Hello Fada, as you pointed out, was you know when the record label pressured him to mm-hmm. do something more mainstream, which okay. of course nice. you know paid off big time. Sure. And he was a very mainstream guy as well, you know, with the quiz shows and so forth that that he had created. Yeah. And just wonderful music. Like this just the chorus is so great. It's just so beautifully orchestrated. Yeah. Um actually I didn't even check. I know he wrote the songs, but did he orchestrate them himself? Because No. No, okay. No. Okay. He worked with another writer whose name just escapes me at the moment. Okay. Uh, who was the, probably the, the guy who did the arrangements okay. and so forth. Terrific charts. Even on the first album, mm-hmm. uh, the vocal charts are great. Mm-hmm. Uh, whoever's playing piano is fabulous. Yeah. And it all works. And in fact, I, I maybe I don't, I'll tell you this later too, but um, I've done uh, two evenings of Alan Sherman music now. Wow. And essentially, our music director did a takedown of what was there because, it, and he's excellent, but he said, This stuff's so good. I'm <laughs> not going to change it. It's awesome. Yeah. I love it. Um, so, do you remember how old you were when you first heard? Either this album or Alan Sherman in general? Oh, I was probably 12 or 13. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's yeah. perfect. That's perfect time for, for anybody. It for was. comedy. Yeah. Um, am I wrong that I'm seeing you at about that age right there? Yes, that is exactly the age <laughs> I was. It's a picture of me at my bar mitzvah on the piano I here. I love that photo. Yeah. It's it was actually a televised bar mitzvah. That's amazing. Yeah. The quality of it hinted that. And really. <laughs> yeah. And why? So uh, here I'm about 13 and a half. Uh, The local television station in Cleveland, Ohio, Channel 3, uh, where the Mike Douglas show was filmed at that time. Oh, right, yeah. uh, Invited uh, our rabbi and cantor down to to be on a show called Faith. Every Sunday they had Faith. Uh And uh, it was about different religions and what they do. And one Sunday they did a bar mitzvah. And so I got hired as the bar mitzvah kid. Wow. <laughs> and I even had actor parents. <laughs> yeah, they were probably like big donors to the synagogue, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> and, uh, so uh, they had a, you know, a real photographer there. So I remember being on the set, and right across from me was the Mike Douglas set. Yeah. And here I was, you know, <laughs> pretending to be a bar mitzvah boy, which I kind of was. And I had to ho- learn a whole new reading from the Torah oh, really? and everything. Yeah, it was a big deal. But wow. anyway, it was fun. Somewhere I have a, a recording of it, which has probably already you know, fallen apart sure, or melted sure. or something. But I do have that somewhere. That's fantastic. I've never heard of such a thing. That's great. Yeah. Wow. So that's your. I'm assuming that's your first. That's your first. Taste that was my first public. television. No, it wasn't my first television appearance. Actually. No. First one was uh, on the Uncle Jake show. It was a guy named Gene Carroll. Okay. Okay. For those of you out there who really uh, are, you know, collectors of rare nostalgia. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gene Carroll did a couple of uh, children's albums back okay. in the 50s. And he had a show called The Uncle Jake Show. And I was on there, and I remember I sang Home on the Range uh, while eating a donut. I, I wasn't supposed to be eating the donut, by the way. Uh, <laughs> but I did manage to do that. That's fantastic. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so you hear this album. Are there, I mean, so 12, 13. I'm trying to think. Is, is any of this going yeah. over your head? Or is it like, is there anything you had to add, uh, that you were laughing along because your parents were laughing at it? Or... Oh, probably. Yeah. Uh, I mean, because now I listen to it and I, I realize how brilliant the stuff is. Mm-hmm. And then I just liked it. Yeah. Didn't know why. Sure. So I'm sure I missed some things. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, there were, uh, Sherman was a genius at cultural references. Yes. 
So he mentions all these cultural references in his song. I'm sure I didn't get a lot yes. of those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, today, uh, a lot of people don't get them either. Mm -hmm. That was my trouble. So, <laughs> right? Like BBDNO mm -hmm. uh, and uh, what, what was it? The uh, PDX machine or uh, the, the P PBX machine, uh, A and P. Right, you know A and P. I do know A and P. Okay, because yes, yeah, those yeah. are you know a, a charge a plate. Now you're probably too young to remember I a charge a plate. No idea what that is. Okay, so a he mentions charge a plate in Harvey and Sheila. Mm -hmm. A charge a plate was this is the forerunner to the charge card. Oh, to okay. The credit card. Yeah, it was called a charge a plate, mm -hmm. and it was maybe about two thirds the size of a credit card, and it was metal. Wow. And I don't know, they ran it through something, some huh. kind of machine, and it, it had, you know, the bumps on it, and yeah. it, it charged you somehow. Uh, uh, it, it, he mentions, uh, you know, XKE, GOP, FHA, Layette, Macy's, you know, RH Macy, as mm -hmm. it was called in those days. Mm -hmm. And he does this in a lot of his songs. So to say that I got it all, no, I didn't. Sure, sure. Yeah. But since you've picked... Since you, I've you, picked it up. Yeah. <laughs> and w what I do now when I perform any of his stuff mm -hmm. is uh, I have a, 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 a PowerPoint Perfect. Uh, that, that my wife put together. And it's pretty funny, actually, the way she did it. And, uh, and you, you see all of these things, and then it's fun to interact with an audience and say, what's this? And you show a charge of plate. Right, right, and right. And some older person will recognize it. That's same, same with the old TV shows uh, that um, somewhere I might have a reference to those. Uh, you know, people like David Suskind are mentioned yes, in right, the songs, right? right. right? Mm -hmm. Most people wouldn't know that. Mm -hmm. It happens that I'm old enough to remember. <laughs> <laughs> um, we can, I mean, and now we can do one of two things. We can, sometimes we just do track by track, and I have the track listing printed out here if you just want to look through it. Sure. Um, but then, you know, we'll, we'll just in general talk about, here, there's a track listing for one. Okay, great. Um, do you have a favorite song off the top of your head, even without on this album? Gosh, well, um, let's see. I'm trying to remember. I, I've got your list here. So this doesn't have Streets of uh, Miami. Oh, it does have Streets of Miami. Yeah, yeah. Streets of Miami <laughs> is my favorite to perform. Uh-huh. Uh, and it's just so darn clever. Yeah. As I wandered out on the streets of Miami I said to myself, this is some fancy town. I called up my partner and said, hello, Sammy. Go pack up your satchel and mosey on down. I got me a bunk in the old Honey Plaza. With breakfast and dinner included, of course. I caught 40 winks on my private piazza. <laughs> then I rented a pinto from Hertz Rent a Horse. <laughs> and it's hilarious, you know, it's the juxtaposition of you know an old Jewish guy mm -hmm. uh, as a cowboy, you know, <laughs> I love it. You know, and it. and of course at the time all those cowboy films were really big, sure. you know, high noon, mm -hmm. things like that. So it has a high noon kind of flavor, mm -hmm. but with a Jewish accent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's fantastic. So, that, that was one thing is I, I, I like 
he he picks and chooses when he's going to do when he's going to do an accent or you know that's right and it it seems to hit just the right spot every time yeah i know and what's interesting about it is uh although you know jews were very much in the culture at the time mm-hmm. uh that kind of um accented immigrant sort of jewish experience was more i'd say uh isolated to the jewish community mm-hmm. itself and what's fun is that people reacted to it. You know, and I think it was true in many cultures, Italian accents, sure. uh, the Irish, mm-hmm. uh, all those things were used for, for comic uh, effect. Yeah. And uh, he, he did it brilliantly. And you're right. He didn't do it over the top. He mm-hmm. did it in a, in a cute way that people, people who weren't maybe on the inside of that would get it. Sure. And the other thing I like, too, is like being that this is an album of folk parodies, uh, he gets to he's he gets to play with other cultures, but the way he's picking is not making fun of the culture. He's just inserting his own culture into it, and I love that that's the lens that he does it with because it's not right. you know you don't need to always be worry about being offensive necessarily, but this is the least offensive way I think to do that. Yeah, you know it is brilliant. And for instance, uh, Sir Greenbaum's Madrigal yes uh, <laughs> is is a perfect example of that. Mm-hmm. Right? We're taking something that. You know, uh, green sleeves being mm-hmm. very British and kind of a little bit stuffy, but also very reflective of uh, British culture. Uh, and then he does green bomb. <laughs> and <laughs> when he gets to that word, you know, the audience goes crazy. Oh, yeah, they go yeah. nuts every time. Yeah. By the way, I, evidently the audience was uh, had been drinking rather heavily before <laughs> uh, <laughs> they hit record. <laughs> Love it. So that, that helped also. <laughs> that is fantastic. I wish I couldn't picture how big of uh, an orchestra or, or band that he had with him do you know uh well let's see what we did was just with uh like a trio uh piano mm-hmm. bass and drums uh he might have had uh a couple of horns in that first album i'd have to hear it again sure sure um, but of course in the second album by the time we got to hello mudda mm-hmm. uh you had big orchestration yeah 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 so it, it kind of lent itself to the humor mm-hmm Something about the first album, though, being live, yeah. more or less, and having a, a little bit of a shticky improvisational quality, yeah. I think worked to its advantage. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, so, okay, so we've gone, uh, let's see, so sorry. So this starts out with maybe the most familiar song that's being parodied. I think right. most people know Battle, Battle Hymn of the Republic. The, the, I think that this is where I got uncomfortable because I'm like, oh, no, it's immediately going over my head. <laughs> and, I, and I feel like... Uh, there are maybe some references that are not necessarily references. They just feel a certain way, and I just maybe you can explain the song better to me. Right. This is okay. going to be fun. This is really it's one of those episodes where please explain to Jason what this album's about because <laughs> here here's a, uh, how you know he's really brilliant mm-hmm. because he sets you up and, he, and then he just hits hits home. So mm-hmm. he sets you up by saying, "I'm singing you the ballad of a great man of the cloth." <laughs> so already there's a pun. Yes. His name is Harry Lewis, and he worked for Irving Roth. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you think, okay, cloth and Roth—that rhymes. Sure. That's really great. Sure. But he's setting you up so that later he can say, "Oh, Harry Lewis perished in the service of his lord. He was trampling through the warehouse where the drapes of Roth are stored." Which I think is fantastic. See, I here's where I thought is like maybe these are names I should know, but these are just his fictional names. See, this this is that takes guts. Right. <laughs> just like I just made up some characters for you. Well, he he uses names all the time. Yeah, that right? is true. Yeah, Harvey and Sheila. Mm-hmm. Right? Harvey Bloom is on the moon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Sarah Jockman. 
Yes. Yeah, which, which we'll get to is on this album, too. So, of course, Perry Lewis is, is a great one to start with. And that line telegraphs that this is going to be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Right? Okay, then he gets to shake hands with your Uncle Max. <laughs> All right, so... And, and this is, this is uh, dear old Donegal, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, you know, it's you know, Harrigan, Harrigan, Harrigan. It's all yes. the Irish names, uh-huh. right? Now, he also... He taps into something interesting, too, that's happening culturally at the time. And, and you know, my dad was a musician until he was in his 50s. Uh-huh. And then right about this time, a little bit before, he, you know, the... Television came out, and and he, he the whole music business went down the tube. Sure, and so he became a salesman. So there was this whole thing about salesmen, right? Door to door salesmen, yeah. siding salesmen, furniture salesmen. But a lot of people went into that. My, my dad was an immigrant, so uh, you know he didn't have a, a, a great education. So uh, this was a way for people to to make a living. And after the war, there was a whole lot of that, sure. partly because the economy was doing so well. Right, actually. Um, so if you didn't have an education, you went into sales. And so the whole thing starts out with, with uh, t- talking about you know, his life. And usually songs in those days were more dramatic, mm-hmm. right? It's something about you know, cowboy songs or right. something where some, someone had an exciting life. But he starts out with, I sell a line of plastics. <laughs> if you remember The Graduate. Yeah, that's my first about thought. Plastics, right? uh-huh. I sell a line of plastics and I travel on the road and I have a case of samples, which believe me is a load. So <laughs> he tells a little story and he sets you up so that you understand who this guy is, mm-hmm. right? And then, as everyone can relate to, the traveling salesman coming home after being on the road and right. schlepping from house to house and place to place, and there's his family waiting to greet him, mm-hmm. right? But, of course, their names are a little more ethnic. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> so, it's really wonderful. And his, his mother yelling at the beginning, hi, here we are, mm-hmm. you know, which is perfect. And so, his, his mother... Uh, you know, standing outside and, mm-hmm. and seeing him coming down the street, like my mother would have done that, uh-huh. right? If I had been away for a long time, she'd be outside, you know, <laughs> waiting for me. <laughs> and like his mother was, and, and she says, and she hollers, you know, she doesn't say, she doesn't talk, she right. hollers, right, as he's driving up the street, here we are! And then, of course, all the funny names. Yeah, and they're fantastic. So that's great. And they, and they, yeah, I, it, it is in that, like, even in parody, he's still kind of making it a modern folk song, which I love. I mean, I, I love that that's the idea yeah, behind it, you it know? Is, but it's also real, and it's, it's mm-hmm. kind of working class. Mm-hmm. 100%. It's, and it, it's immigrant, and it's working class. Yeah. And that's part of what makes it so great. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I think there, there mu- that must have been part of his appeal to, quote-unquote, mainstream America. Mainstream America, meaning, you know, uh-huh. mostly Protestants. Uh, you know, would have been, you yeah, know, like there's, there's something in there. Oh, oh, I get it. Yeah, th- that's something I can relate to, even right. if I'm somehow turned off by the names or whatever that I don't understand. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so then, then we get to Sir Greenbaum's Madrigal. We talked about that a little mm-hmm. bit earlier. But, again, it's this juxtaposition of, you know, imagine this Jewish knight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. And when you said Jewish in those days, you thought of, you know, funny people. Sure. Right? So, you know, here he is, and, uh, you know, he's out looking for a maiden fair, and uh, and she turns out to be, you know, Genevieve Schwartz. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> so, uh, 
you know, th that's all you really need there. I think so. But he even on that one takes his time. He takes it. He's not like he's in no rush to get to the punch on this one. He's take because the song's a slow one. He's like, fine. I, that's right. I, I appreciate that. That he's not. Uh, he's not jumping at right. it. Right. And and he gets right into the whole the schlepping aspect mm -hmm. of being a knight. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. Because really, you've got all this armor on, right. and you're on a horse, and you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's not easy, right? So he goes, you know, all day with the slaying and the slewing and the smiting and the smoting like Robin Hood, you know? <laughs> it just doesn't really work for him. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So. And isn't there a line about, uh, I hope I can quit smoting? Something to that effect. Oh, there's, yes. There's, there's, there's yes, such a give up smoting Thank for you, good. Give up. Yes, yeah, there right. we go. Exactly. That's a solid line. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, he gets his puns in there. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then we get to My Zelda, which, you know, at the time you had Harry Belafonte. Yeah. And, uh, Lots of kind of ethnic folky stuff going yeah. on. Theodore Bikel on the Jewish side, but that was like serious folk stuff. Sure, sure. It wasn't silly Jewish stuff. It was serious Jewish stuff. <laughs> uh, if there is such a thing, and uh, uh, Belafonte re represented that kind of. Um, he, he was a really a breakthrough artist at the time. Mm -hmm. um, uh, this isn't name dropping, but what, one night I, I, I happened to have dinner with Pat Boone, uh -huh. and Pat Boone was telling me how. Uh, when he first invited Belafonte on his show, the network wouldn't allow it. Right, right. If you can imagine that. Today. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and he stood up to them and made it happen because Pat Boone was like at the top of of showbiz. Yeah. You know, at that time, and he was the one who made it happen. He's very proud about that. That's gutsy. Yeah. My goodness. Yeah, it, and then poor Harry, Harry Belafonte. It's like I feel constantly at danger. I mean, he had the same kind. He had the tr same trouble on the Smothers Brothers show, but that was because he was doing something controversial. Like, yeah, yeah, it's Being just crazy. Political. Yeah, like right. the, the man just couldn't catch a break, but yeah. he didn't, he had standards. Well, he wasn't one to look for breaks. No, no, very true, very right. true. So, uh, so My Zelda, you know, is clearly a parody of Matilda, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which was a big hit at the time. And again, you know, if you have that, you're imagining this kind of, rotund, uh, uh, funny-looking guy with glasses mm -hmm. trying to be sexy. Yeah. Uh, and and <laughs> it coming out you know, with a name like Zelda, it just, it's going to be funny. I'm my Zelda. My Zelda. My Zelda. She took the money and ran with the tailor. Once again now. My Zelda, my Zelda, my Zelda, she took the money and ran with the tailor. My Zelda, she found her big romance when I broke the zipper in my pants. My Zelda, she took the money and ran with the tailor. Everybody! My Zelda, my Zelda, my Zelda. course you know the, the story of the song right right she took the money and ran with the tailor right <laughs> uh, my zelda she found her big romance when i broke the zipper in my pants <laughs> so uh, you know you're just laughing the whole time yeah. <laughs> that brings us to my favorite song the streets okay. of miami streets of miami yeah right and so uh streets of miami um you know again juxtaposition right mm. so here you're juxtaposing 
uh, you know, a cowboy situation, mm-hmm. a showdown uh, with a Jewish guy, and and it's it's the story of, of how he gets there, right? Yeah. yeah. So he, you know, he goes to Miami. Oops, that's not. I want to look at these words here because it'll remind me of stuff. Okay, so he goes to Miami, and it's it's a fabulous place. He's never been there before, so he calls up his partner. Mm-hmm. He called up my partner. Okay, mm-hmm. that's where he gets the little accent in there, and he says, "Hello, Sammy. Go pack up a satchel and mosey on down." Okay, <laughs> so he's throwing in little tidbits of cowboy cowboy talk. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And so he decides to go to the Roni Plaza because it's a little cheaper than the Fountain Blue. Right? Mm-hmm, Roni mm-hmm, Plaza right. was the, you know, it's nice. Sure. You know, but it wasn't super, super crazy expensive. And uh, he's, he, uh, oh, and he rents a horse. <laughs> <laughs> so, but here's, here's the rhyme. I caught 40 winks on my private piazza and I rented a Pinto from Hertz Rental. Yes, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, so his partner flies down. Now, I I didn't get this when I was a kid, on a non-scheduled airline. I didn't know what that was. Today, Uh we would call it a private jet. Ah, okay, okay. But it was non-scheduled. You can go when you want to go. Right, right, okay. So, all right. So, a non-scheduled airline, and and, uh, his his, uh, partner announces to him that he's not staying at the Roni Plaza. Mm -hmm. He's staying at the Fontainebleau. You should know. (laughs) And I'll charge to the firm $60 a day. (laughs) Oh, sixty dollars a day, right? <laughs> so th- those are fighting words, of course. So they they wind up fighting a duel, mm-hmm. and he at the stroke of high noon, and I took careful aim with my trusty revolver. The clock on the fountain blue struck twelve o'clock. I shot and Sam crumbled just like a piece halva. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's what they call a bad day at Black Rock. So halva, mm-hmm. for those of you who don't know, I just was in a Persian market and they had like a whole row of halva. Really? Uh, yeah. Oh, I love it's it. It's a sesame pasty thing that I could never stand it. You love I do, I do love it. My father loved it. Yeah. My father in law loved it. I could never, never <laughs> It's very it. dry. It's, it's a very really, dry thing. Really dry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And so, uh, you know, anyhow, the, the, the punchline here is, if I can get to it here, um, is pretty funny. So now I can never go back to Miami. The music goes minor here. And New York is so cold that a person could die. I'd be better off dead like my late partner Sammy. Cause he's in that big fountain blue in the sky. <laughs> So very uh, Marty Robbins mm-hmm. flavor, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, so, it's so good. It is. You know what's so funny is that I knew uh, the source song from a parody, though. I knew that I knew the Streets of Laredo, which is what it's parodying from the Smothers Brothers version of the Streets. Oh, of is Laredo. that right? Oh, yeah. funny. It's a very short. Like their, you know, their bits are just let's let's talk a bunch and maybe play for a minute. You know, like yeah, yeah he does the yeah. full song, and actually now I have a better idea what the full song sounds like, yeah. which is fun. Yeah, that's it's awesome. Uh, so that's side one. Yeah. Uh, side two, Sarah Jackman. So Sarah Jackman was actually the first <laughs> big uh, song that, that got airplay. Okay. From him. All right. Why that one? I don't know. <laughs> Not my favorite, but it's good. Sure. And that was the one that uh, John Kennedy was known to have hummed in the lobby of some hotel <laughs> that the press recorded that he was sitting in the lobby singing, Sarah Jackman, Sarah Jackman. <laughs> 
which is priceless. That's amazing. Yeah. So, and, and that one, it's just sweet. Uh, you know, a guy uh, works up the nerve to call mm-hmm. his girl to talk to her, you know. And they, they also enumerate a lot of cultural references uh-huh. in, that, in that song, too. So in this one, he mentions, for instance, William Morris. He mentions, uh, let's see. Um, oh, Freedom Riders. Uh-huh, yeah. Right? Um, very culturally uh, relevant at that time. He mentions Vic Tanny. Oh, boy, yes, right. Right? Vic mm-hmm. Tanny, the... Mm-hmm. Was the first guy who really yeah. broke through as the you know a physical fitness chap, and uh, the Peace Corps, mm-hmm. and Lolita. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah, which wasn't a movie, I don't think yet. Oh no, what sixty two? Right, book, I don't think so. Yeah, you know, probably pretty juicy book at that time. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and he mentions nonconformists. Actually, I mean, it's, he does it to rhyme. Yeah. Because he says, uh, how's your sister Norma? She's a non-conformer. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, uh, second one, uh, second tr- uh, tune on side two, jump down, spin around, pick a dress of garden, and jump down, spin. Oh, yes, so, right. So these were little snatches of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned how the Smothers Brothers would sometimes do song parodies mm-hmm. uh, and only do little teeny bits of them. Uh, this is one of those where I think he had bunch of half ideas right things right and thought okay i can string these together into something so he he jumps from one tune to the other and does a a lot of funny little stuff with it Um, Mm -hmm. um, and he does the same thing the second album there was another one oh really the sticks of one and two of another or something (laughs) like that (laughs) of course seltzer boy is another one of those uh, harry belafonte kinds of tributes Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh it's actually pretty funny i as a kid, you know, I, I you know how uh, when you have vinyl, mm-hmm. it's very easy to just go back and listen to the same thing over and over again. Sure. <clears throat> I mean, you can do that on CDs too, but it was more fun with records. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, so, certain ones I would listen to a lot. This was not one of them. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess it didn't. I didn't quite get it. Sure. That much. I mean, it's still it's funny to me, but there's something I'm still missing. So you can maybe maybe you can help me out here too. Okay. Well, seltzer. Okay. What's funny about seltzer? If you go in a deli, at least in the old, old sure. days, okay, right? Yeah. Seltzer was the drink, and, and they had a name for it. Do you know what it was? No. Two Cents Plain. Uh-huh. It's called Two Cents Plain. That's what you would order in All right. Italy. So for, it was probably two cents at one time, mm-hmm. right? And it was just bubbly water. Now you pay, you know, a couple of bucks yeah. for a glass of Pellegrino. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. In those days, it was Two Cents Plain. Interesting. Okay. okay. And if you added chocolate sauce to it, you got a chocolate phosphate. Sure. So like when I went to the deli with my dad, it was a corned beef sandwich mm-hmm. and a chocolate phosphate. That was those required. go together? Do, do those, those? I mean, all right. Evidently, okay. I haven't had corned beef in a long time, but chocolate phosphate I've had is pretty good. That sounds good. Yeah. Um, uh, oh boy, which is one I haven't performed myself, and I, I when I listened to it, mm-hmm. when you sent it to me, I thought, why have I not done this? Uh-huh. This is perfect. Yeah. And it's filled with cultural references for sure. Herman Capote and mm-hmm. people I've never heard of and Edna St. Vincent Millay and all mm-hmm. these, uh, these cultural references Definitely and it's funny head. what's funny about it is that his reactions you can say oh boy in a lot of ways sure okay like I, I make fun of my wife because when she has a cold mm-hmm. she'll blow her nose and go oh boy <laughs> oh boy right <laughs> but you can also go oh boy right mm-hmm. like you're happy or you can go oh boy right <laughs> <laughs> 
or oh boy, you know? So <laughs> it, it's very expressive it, yeah. thing, right? And the fact that he uses the Mexican hat dance, yeah, dun, 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 oh boy, you know? <laughs> uh, also, again, juxtaposes something that's totally so not Jewish mm-hmm. to, to makes it Jewish, yeah. which is funny. Uh, Sticks and Stones is, like I said, something like what was on the other one. And it's it's another medley. It's another combination of lots of funny mm-hmm. little things. Um, so uh, this one, little David Suskind, shut up. Please don't talk. Please don't talk, little David Suskind. Eat first, then you'll talk. Okay, again, that's a Jewish kind of expression. Um, this one was uh, very memorable. God bless you, Jerry Mendelbaum. Let nothing you dismay. This May you had a rotten month, so what is there to say? So this is a, the Schmata business, mm-hmm. right? Jerry Mendelbaum is in the he's sales. It's in sales, right? Uh-huh. He had a bad month, but it's you know funny Christmas parody, right? Uh, what else is on here? Oh, when the painters go marching in. Now this was my grandfather. Mm-hmm. My grandfather could not say painter. My grandfather was in construction. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a carpenter. No, he was a carpenter. Carpenter. <laughs> so, painters and carpenters were just people that were in my life a lot growing up. So, I love it. So, I certainly got that. God bless you, Jerry Mendelbaum. Let nothing you dismay. This may you had a rotten month. So, what is there to say? Let's hope next May is better and good things will come your way. And you won't have a feeling of dismay next May. Oh, when the painters go marching in. Oh, when the painters Go marching in. Just make sure they put a drop cloth when the painters go marching in. Yash got a bottle of Geritol. 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 Is Geritol still on the market? I don't think it is. I I only know it again as a reference to, yeah. It was something old people would take. Why? And made them, it made them peppy. Right, 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 right. Made them peppy, yes. Uh, and, you know, other funny songs like, uh, Oh, I'm Melvin Rose of Texas, and my friends all call me Tex. When I lived in old New Mexico, they used to call me Mex. <laughs> so, <laughs> so things that perhaps didn't deserve to have full versions. Sure, of that, sure, yeah. Right? Uh, Mam's little baby loves matzah, matzah. That's what I loved. Right? <laughs> We're recording this right before Passover, so yeah, yeah. relate to that. <laughs> so uh, he would do these little pastiches of just crazy ideas that he had. Mm-hmm. I, 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 and again, is there something to it when you're when you're performing it yourself? Do you? I mean, you you know you've got kind of you've got a bit of a trudge ahead of you in that you have to explain the stuff you're about to do, but you still get to make it funny. Like, but do you enjoy the fact that you're, you're getting to just educate these people about something they just would never have looked up themselves? Yeah, yeah. No, that that's really what the fun of it is. And mm-hmm. I realized that um, recently when we did this again, and and I realized that the catch that what makes all of this interesting is exactly that that it's a little time machine. Mm-hmm. Um, 
for, for anyone uh, who, who certainly was, was alive in the 50s or 60s, mm-hmm. definitely, and for those who weren't, it's still interesting to look back on this and, and realize that the world as it is today just wasn't always like that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it won't always be like this either. That uh, you know, thirty or forty years from now, we'll be looking back at some of the stuff that people did today, and, mm-hmm. and, and you know, with uh, with some amusement. Definitely. Yeah. I think it's the only way to do what you're doing without it just being nostalgia, because nostalgia is great, it makes you feel good for a bit, but you you get to add this layer to it, and I people don't really do that with older music that they like, you know. No, giving people that kind of context, I think. Is no, that's right. You yeah, it, it makes it really interesting. Um, can we talk a little bit about then your own career as a musician? Sure. And a comedian. Sure. So when does it start what, for you? What? What's? When does it all happen? <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, it started when uh, I used to. I've always been a singer since I could talk, basically. Mm-hmm. And so it started with my grandparents uh, having their friends over every couple of weeks and putting me up on the kitchen table and having me sing to them and them throwing money at me and I thought this is a decent way to make a living <laughs> right <laughs> right because I like doing this and uh, it, you know and it, pay, it pays mm-hmm. you know in cash no taxes <laughs> so uh, it started then and uh, and and with you know the Alan Sherman stuff and and some of the other records I listened to as a kid Al Jolson was was a big influence mm-hmm. and uh, just kept going so uh, professionally, and I started playing in bands back in the '60s, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, that was a lot of fun. And then, uh, somewhere in the '70s, uh, I met a guy named Will Ryan, who's fairly well known as a uh, voiceover artist, mm-hmm. been in a lot of uh, films and cartoon shows and so on. And uh, he was just a brilliant guy. And we um, one night got invited to perform in a church. I did actually in a church basement. Uh-huh. And I said, "Hey, Will, uh, why don't you you want to do this with me?" Let me back it up a little further. Okay. He and I uh, music directed a show in New York together. Okay. So I had done some of that. Um, I, I did the first outside of New York version of Godspell. Um, really? Uh, yeah, the first road sort of version of that. And then had a show optioned in New York, and, and Will had some things going in New York. And I, I, was, in the, I was in the pit in Godspell uh, back wow. in the... 70s, early 70s, <clears throat> and then uh, so I knew Will a little bit through that. But anyhow, I had got this offer to do a job, and I thought, well, Will's funny. Let's invite him to do this with me. Mm-hmm. And so we did this, and uh, we spent about a week or two getting ready for this, and we had a great time getting ready for it. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were a huge hit. Yeah. And we got we came off the stage and we went back in the dressing room. We looked at each other in complete disbelief. <laughs> At how much people liked it and, and how funny they thought we were. Mm-hmm. So we kind of figured, well, if we fooled them once, we could fool them again. So <laughs> we kept performing and uh, eventually recorded and got an album to the Disney people. Okay. Meanwhile, we were doing, we had a morning radio show. We had a TV uh, appearance once a week in Cleveland and, and we were kind of well known ish. Wow. And, uh, thought, well, let's try out L.A. So we got a, a, this album to Disney, and we got a call from them. And they said, would you guys be interested in writing some songs for us? So we quickly, you know, within a day, you know, wrote several songs <laughs> and uh, sent them off to Disney and got a call from them again saying, hey, we like these, and we like the way you perform them. Would you want to re- uh, record these with the characters? So that album became Going Quackers. I, yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So I found some of that online. Okay. Great. Yeah. That's crazy. So that was going quackers, and we did three albums with Disney at that time. Mm-hmm. 
and that was 1980. And then around 1983 or 82, I guess it was, uh, they were developing the Winnie the Pooh show mm -hmm. over at Disney. Uh, Welcome to Pooh Corner. Yes. And yeah. so they asked us if we wanted to write some songs for it, and we wound up writing a lot of songs for it, like 60-some songs. Wow. And then that there was we did uh, 120 episodes, and then they did another series of the same production company called Dumbo Circus. Oh yeah, right. And uh, so I, I wrote the theme song for that, and um, and about another 60 songs, and Will worked on it too. And oh, and I I did the voice of Piglet on Pooh Corner. Oh, that's right. As yeah, well. yeah, yeah. And Will was Rabbit and Tigger. Great, <laughs> uh, and so and then I produced the music for the Dumbo show. Okay, so uh, then as that was wrapping, I got a phone call late one night from a guy I had known at Disney called George Wilkins, mm -hmm. and George had been uh, head of the music department over at Disney, and he was now working on this toy, and he called me. It was like ten thirty at night, and he said, "Hey, um, we've we've got this talking toy, and." There's a guy doing the voice, but he doesn't sing. Oh, okay. Could you come by and and, uh, and do some singing for us? I said, sure, when? He said, now. <laughs> I said, okay. So got on my clothes and drove over to a studio uh, over in uh, North Hollywood and recorded the songs, and they got on the talk back and said, uh, would you read some lines for us, too? <laughs> and so um, I said, hi there, how are you? I'm Teddy Ruxpin. Can you and I be friends? Yeah. I really enjoy talking to people, especially Jason. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so that was it. Wow. Yeah. So that was about three or four years of solid stuff we did. Yeah. Um, 65 episodes of a TV series. Oh, yeah, right. Of 30 to 40 um, pieces of, you know, tapes that went in yeah. the toy. Yeah. And uh, a whole lot of other stuff, and I mean, it was crazy. Yeah, see, that's the thing that's like just occurring to me. Well, it already occurred to me several times, but I know how badly I wanted a Teddy Ruxpin when I was five. Uh -huh. Okay, but the idea that your voice, at least in the English-speaking world, is everywhere—did that hurt your brain a little bit? <laughs> yeah, I try not to think about it yeah. too much. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, and when you're recording the stuff, you know, I, I always try to just think of one kid because mm -hmm. it's usually one kid who's listening to yeah. you in bed, you know, and just try to keep it there and not yeah. get too crazy with it. No, that makes sense because otherwise it's not a performance in the traditional sense. You're not like, hey, everybody. Yeah. Man, that's that's a good little just little piece of acting work that maybe not every, maybe that's, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, there's an intimacy. Mm -hmm. To it, and you know, and I fortunately I have that kind of softer quality voice. Sure, just just worked for that, um, and I got really very much involved with that whole project. Mm -hmm. uh, I became the head writer for the TV series, wow. and uh, although I'm not credited that way because it was a Canadian co-production. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. yeah. So I was the story consultant, <laughs> <laughs> and my wife Michelle worked on the show, and mm -hmm. she did some voices on it also. Really? She played my mother at one point, <laughs> which is a little weird. Uh, and uh, I wrote some of the song. I wrote a lot of the lyrics with okay. George. And in fact, George and I and Michelle have another project that we're working on together even now. Really? Yeah. That's great. Yeah. I drive up Ocean Parkway. And before I stop the car, my ma leans out the window, and she hollers, here we are. 
shake hands with your Uncle Max, my boy. And here is your sister, Cheryl. And here is your cousin, Isabel. That's Irving's oldest girl. And you remember the Tishman twins, Gerald and Jerome. We all came out to greet you and to wish you welcome home. Meet Marowitz, Barrowitz, Handelman, Shandelman, Sperber and Gerber and Steiner and Stone. Moskowitz, Lubowitz, Aronson, and Behrens, Feynman and Feynman and Friedman and Cohn. Swallowitz, Wallowitz, Steidelbaum, Mandelbaum, Levin, Levinsky, Levine and Levi. Brumberger, Schlumberger, Minkus and Thinkus and Stein with an E-I and Stein with a Y. One person did ask how long... Well, how long did all the recording take for Teddy Ruxpin? But I guess we could say the first tape. Do you know how long that... Was it one long session, or did you do it a bunch? Yeah, I think we did pretty much a a session for each of the tapes. Okay, okay. Including the songs. Okay. So, you know, we'd get the songs ahead of time and learn the stuff, and then hopefully, you know, go in and, and knock those out. Yeah. The TV series, we would do five episodes... Uh, we we uh, recorded those in Canada, in okay. Ottawa, long okay. way away. So mm-hmm. we would fly up for a long weekend and do five episodes. Wow. Including songs. And we should point out then, which maybe we mentioned earlier, but that your musical partner, Will Ryan, is then the voice of Grubby. Correct. To whom you were at Correct. one point umbilically connected by a one-quarter-inch cable, which is the weirdest <laughs> thing in the world. Right? I hadn't thought about that. <laughs> it's very strange. Uh, but I had them both because where did my parents get the money? I don't know. Maybe I was just <laughs> that angry of a kid. I was like, you have to give me this. Oh, how cool. I don't think I was that kid. <laughs> now, here's a little bit of trivia for you. Mm-hmm. The, the guy who played Gimmick, Newton mm-hmm. Gimmick, yeah, right? Yeah. Right? The yeah. mad oh scientist gosh. guy. Yeah. Not so mad, but kind of absent-minded, <laughs> uh-huh. um, was Tony Pope. Uh, oh, yeah. And Tony and Will and I did another show together before that, a couple years earlier, called The Rainbow Patch. That one would really be testing people's uh, trivia yeah. knowledge. It was on NBC-owned and operated stations around the country. Okay. It was a TV show, and, and Will and I were on the show as performers. Okay. So we would usually do a goofy song. Mm-hmm. Uh, with you know, Mark Hamill was a guest. They had guest stars on the show. Uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And, Amazing. Uh, Bruce Jenner was one really? of the on the show. Really? Really? Yeah. And Love we would it. usually do a song with one of these people. Mm-hmm. And then um, the three of us would get behind the piano and be puppeteers. <laughs> so, And it was torture. It was just torture because it wasn't set up like the Muppets do everything standing and the sure. sets are up. These sets were on the floor. Oh. And the whole thing was, was really torture. So you'd... If you had a pre-recorded song, which we mm-hmm. often did, you'd, you'd hear the happy characters singing, and we'd be cursing and screaming, <laughs> you know, down below, and you wouldn't hear us. But anyway, uh, that was fun. So Tony, then we got reunited. Uh, oh, Tony was also the voice of Goofy when we did those oh, really? Disney albums. Okay. And he was also from Cleveland. Mm-hmm. And then the three of us did uh, Teddy Ruxpin as well. That's so that crazy. was crazy. Tony unfortunately passed away a few years ago. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, did you now? Did you and Will as Willio and Philio? Yeah. Did you do just one album? Was it the one that I found, or did you? We others? did two albums. You did two. Okay. However, cause... the second one was never released. Oh. Yeah. Hmm. Unfortunately, because in those days you couldn't just do an album. No. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So the master tape. If we had the master tapes today, we would probably release those. Yeah. But you don't. Um, but we don't. Dang and it. The the guy who had them uh, closed up his studio and no. is I don't know where. Oh come on. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Uh, it was a little bit more of a mainstream album. It was less mm-hmm. funny stuff because yeah. we we were trying to sort of break through in top forty and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So 
uh, had some great stuff on it. Um, okay, so, uh, and actually, let, let's move into, because I don't want to keep you too much longer, but mm-hmm. you're a cantor, and for my right. my audience, I have no idea what my demographics are, so maybe right. you could explain it, because I've only what recently become familiar with it, you know? Okay. So, the funny thing is, I'm doing most of the same stuff I did before, mm-hmm. so I'm, I, uh, well, let, let's back it up. Here's mm-hmm. what a cantor is. A cantor is a prayer leader of, of a congregation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it, this is a, I'm in a pretty large congregation. There are large and small ones. This one's about 1,500 families, okay? Mm-hmm. So that means lots of bar mitzvahs. Yeah. Uh, there are weddings and funerals and, and people who need visits and, and all kinds of the stuff that any kind of religious organization has. Sure. What's, what's great about, in the Jewish religion, the cantor gets to do a lot of singing and writing songs yeah. uh, and recording. Uh, I'm working on my second album, uh, third actually album since I've been here. Wow. Uh, and so, you know, you're writing things for the liturgy, but then there are, we also have these madcap Jewish holidays like Purim, for mm-hmm. instance, mm-hmm. which is like, a, a, it's kind of like Halloween mm-hmm. in a sense. So we just did a whole huge production with Purim and I wrote bunch of song parodies for it really yeah great yeah and, <laughs> and we use star wars as our theme perfect right so um <laughs> yeah so i get to uh, you know uh channel alan sherman mm-hmm. once a year uh <laughs> so we do a lot of fun things we play some rock and roll mm-hmm. uh i have a, a kind of a very up-tempo rock flavored service once a month mm-hmm. uh, uh so i'm having a lot of fun here and wow. uh and as opposed to playing clubs or right. other places where you know people smoke and throw things, mm-hmm. uh, uh, people are a little bit more well behaved, but <laughs> not that much more. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you know the interesting thing about doing it in in this way, in this, is it's completely different from a, a, a performing, a traveling musician. Uh, you. You don't know what purpose you're serving if you're on the road and getting a drink thrown at you. You get very specific. I'm here for a memorial. I'm here for a funeral. You know. Well, yes, you're, you're there it, for people when things matter. Yeah. And also, when you are doing TV or uh, records, you don't really have any personal, direct personal connection. Mm-hmm. And here, it's all about personal connection. Yeah. Yeah. And and th- that's so much more meaningful to me. Yeah. Um, this has been so much fun. Thank you so much for doing for this. For me, too. Um, oh, I, I should at least have you say, <clears throat> which I always have people towards the end, why recommend this as a first Alan Sherman album to you know dip your feet, get, dip your toe in? Why would I recommend this? Yeah. Um, because it's really clever. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's, it'll give you a flavor of what life was like uh, at a certain time, mm-hmm. at a certain moment in time. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it should inspire you. Uh, you know, he, Alan Sherman himself had a pretty difficult childhood mm-hmm. uh, and bounced around a lot and was partly raised by his grandparents. Mm-hmm. And he overcame a great deal uh, to, to break through as an artist. And he kept his humor. Yeah. And that's really what saved him as a kid. Mm-hmm. And that's what made us all smile a great deal when he was around. Yeah. That's wonderful. Is there anything, uh, is there any sort of, is there any kind of a project or is there anywhere people can find your current work or is there anything that you want to promote? A couple of interesting things. One is uh, Teddy Ruxman's coming out again. Really? Again, again. 
with a company called Wicked Cool Toys. Oh yeah, yeah. okay. So don't know what their plan is for mm-hmm. doing it, or or when it's coming out, or how they're doing it, mm-hmm. or whether it'll be cool or not. I really, right? <laughs> I don't know. This is not an advertisement, by the way. <laughs> um, and uh, you might look for something uh, in a, a year or two called Little Minute. Okay. And that's a, a project that I'm doing with George Wilkins, who did all the Teddy Ruxpin music, okay. and my wife Michelle. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> And John Tartaglia, who's a Tony-winning uh, performer from Avenue Q. Oh, and, okay. Uh, he has a new show called Splash that's going to be on PBS All right. coming up. And his partner, Michael Lewis, who also a well-known uh, Broadway performer. And uh, the group of us has uh, come up with uh, something that you might like. I'm excited. A couple of years down the line. Oh. So, so look for that. That's great. And one more thing to mention. Uh, Will and I did a film together last year. Mm-hmm. And it, there's a series called Biffle and Schuster, which is uh, it's a comedy team that you've never heard of from the 1940s, mm-hmm. uh, even <laughs> though they're filming them, you know, currently. <laughs> okay, oh, so they're these little black and white two reelers, mm-hmm. and one of them is called The Bride of Finkelstein. <laughs> And so Will, Will is half of the comedy team of Biffle and Schuster, and uh, I'm Dr. Finkelstein. <laughs> so it's something to look for in comedy festivals oh, and it's great. Uh, online, etc. And I'll close with a song. Please do. Your friend, your friend is what I like to be. Your friend, your friend, because I like you, Jason, and you like me. See now, you might be the first person to almost make me cry on the show. <laughs> All right, so, oh my goodness. Um, thank you again very much. My pleasure. Um, and thank you guys for listening. And as always, have a good thing. Comedy on Vinyl is a production of Stolen Dress Entertainment. It is produced by Mike Warden and is hosted and edited by Jason Klom. Our theme song was composed and performed by Richard Levinson. Please visit StolenDress.com to listen to our other podcasts, read our blogs, read our tweets, watch our videos, and read our books. Please subscribe on iTunes, and if you like us, give us a five-star rating and a nice review. You can find us on Facebook.com slash Comedy on Vinyl, Twitter at Comedy on Vinyl, and find everything else at ComedyOnVinyl.com. I'm Jason Klom. Gaziza, I'm Alan Rickard. Your last name is Rickard? And we are the hosts of Dispatches from Port Awesome, a news radio podcast. I, this is Jason again. I host the well-reputed... Reputed. This is Alan. Reputed. Comedy on Vinyl podcast, as well as some others. Alan, though. I've been on some podcasts, also I'm an actor, and have been for nigh on several years. The important part, though, is that while we're close friends, we found a bond when we discovered that we both loved the greatest sitcom of the 90s. Possibly of all time. I won't refute that. The podcast will go through the entire series, from episode one to episode 97. We'll be talking with other fans of the show, people who worked on the show, and you. That's right. You can email your questions about the show, and I'm not kidding here, to freakzilla at scopenet.com. That's right. We'll either try to get the answers for you ourselves or direct from the people who put the show together. It's a dream come true. You can also call and leave a voicemail for us at 646-801-WNYX. 
If it's relevant or funny or even stupid, as long as it's news radio related, you have a good chance of it getting played on the show. Dispatches from Fort Awesome, a news radio podcast. All of this talk of aged lunch meeting ghost has made me peckish. Equally dumb closing quote. God damn it, Alan. Sorry. Oh, that's in parentheses. I shouldn't have actually said that. Please subscribe to Dispatches from Fort Awesome on iTunes. Give us a five-star rating and write us a review. It helps. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at WNYX News Radio. 